Welcome to Between Two Barrels Podcast, live from Legend Studios. Between Two Barrels is a weekly podcast highlighting some of the legends across the state of Tennessee. From Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary products and employees. This podcast will discuss spirits of all kinds here Tennessee Legend Distillery. Country stars, cryptids, to everything in between. We will talk about the life of It's my job to be better. Welcome back, Legends, to another episode of Between Two Barrels Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Opie, and I'm joined by the co-host, Brian. Brian. Yeah. What's up, man? Uh, not a whole lot, bud. Um, since the last episode, uh, we unfortunately had a, well, a few losses uh, in the world specifically of music, but honestly, um, two major icons uh, of what would have been... I know my childhood, Mm -hmm. um, even though one of them expanded well beyond what my childhood would have been and even into uh, um, some older family members' childhoods, uh, getting back into the 70s and stuff like that, of course, and that I'm talking about the legend that uh, was Jimmy Buffett or Mm -hmm. is Jimmy Buffett, Uh, and of course the fact that we lost the lead singer to Smash Mouth as well, Um, like I said, and that being two two musical icons that that were definitely a a huge part of, of what would have been my childhood musically as well as you know i'm sure a majority of our listeners Uh, and that being said in this episode um which more than anything else i guess is gonna has almost turned into a version of therapy yeah i guess you could say um same can almost kind of be said as far as really several of the podcasts um at different points in time and it, it has has worked as a form of, of therapy and I've definitely enjoyed the opportunity to be able to do these podcasts with you the cocky top podcast mm-hmm. if you folks have not listened or heard anything about that if you've just been listening to between two barrels and you're a football fan specifically SEC and even more specifically a volunteer or a mm-hmm. gamecock make sure you check that one out uh, available on the same platform or platforms as what would be the between two barrels and soon to be uh, 30 and Nerdy podcasts, all available through and made available by Legend Studios here in beautiful Sevierville, Tennessee, nestled right into the the bosom of Dollywood mm. and the Great Smoky Mountain. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stray a little bit uh, from our uh, ever so slightly uh, set stipulations as far as a legend having to be directly correlated with the state of Tennessee as we will be looking into the life and times today of a Mr. Jimmy Buffett. Yes. His reach expands far beyond his iconic island vibe music style as he has inspired and co-written for several musical genres including country and hip hop, which mm-hmm. I did not was not aware of uh, before really getting into this. Uh, a bit of a philosopher of sorts, his lyrics definitely had a way of teaching us as well as healing us. Uh, Join us as we cruise along, searching for a song, not a lawyer, a thief, or a banker, but a son of a son, a son of a son, a son of a son of a sailor. Hmm. As the sun 
of a son of a sailor I went out on the sea for adventure Expanding the view of the captain and crew Like a man just released from indenture As a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man I have chalked up many a mile Read dozens of books about heroes and crooks And I learned much both of their styles Son of a son, son of a son, son of a son but before we do that, uh, let's get into our week's recap. Speaking of 30 and Nerdy, I know that you and uh, Josh just recently got yes. back from uh, Orlando mm-hmm. doing 30 and Nerdy down there. Mm-hmm. Or doing uh, uh, Fanboy. Yeah. Doing another cosplay, hosting yes. another cosplay competition uh, We were there. fortunate to be invited by Fanboy Expo to their Orlando show to host and run their cosplay contest. Do some interviewing of some different people. That's right. You guys got to talk to the the original the animated original, series Ninja Turtles. Yes, the original voices to the Ninja Turtles, the ones that started in '87. Pretty much the ones that started it all. They were the original Ninja Turtles because right. this all came from from Mr. Eastman's mind, and and uh, I'd be interested to to see where the idea of teenage fighting turtles came from <laughs> right um like you could have picked any animal yeah you know why yeah, like you're why just sitting around just eating pizza one day and just going you know what would be a really cool premise right i wanted to ask like what went into that was it marijuana was it alcohol was it boredom like what did you what was see your a muse? turtle fighting what was, something yeah, what was your inspiration yeah. in that or was it the fact that you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. What what was the yeah. the influencing factor to to choose turtles and a rat and a rat as their master? Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe maybe he was just in New York City, which is the basis for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Maybe he watched a, a sewer rat there, or down in the train station. You know, because they're right. large rats. They're very oh large yeah. Rats. New York rats are. Or a different species. I don't know. It was interesting, but it was a lot of fun talking to those guys. Uh, if you listen to uh, the most recent episode of Thirty and Nerdy podcast, you'll hear our interviews with them, uh, with Arn Anderson and his son Brock Anderson. Nice. Um, One of the original Four yeah, Horsemen. The original Four if Horsemen. If you are a wrestling fan. Uh, a couple of cosplay contestants, as well as Lauren Lowe and Jeff Lowe from Tiger King. So, oh wow! Yeah, they were gra- they were gracious. She judged. She was one of the judges for the cosplay contest. Neat. And they were fortunate. We were fortunate enough to get to talk with her and her husband. Right. And these were the people that would have taken over. Uh, yes. The the zoo after Joe yes. would have gotten. They were very persistent in finding even more information about both Joe and Baskins, and that will should have them both very scared there's more stuff about to come out in the news over the next few months as well in season four of tiger king that season four four yes what will become technically season four of tiger king oh so there's two more seasons yes so just that first one coming out in 2020 during the that was not the end of tiger that was not okay yeah (laughs) all right Uh, so we were both like well we've got some catching up to do they assisted in a lot of uh further investigations into Joe as well as Carol that's got a lot more information coming out in the news in the next few months is all they could really say so it was a really cool opportunity to talk to them 
and they did say if you watched the Peacock story about everything that happened where Kate McKinnon from SNL played Carol Baskins. Right. Uh, they said the Peacock show is, is a lot more truthful than what Netflix made you think. Netflix has more of the drama, yes. whereas the Peacock is Netflix more is, is going informational. To, Netflix actual. wants you to see what Netflix wants you to see. Gotcha. It's kind of like Kardashians or Big Brother and all that. They're, they're entertainment. Right. So they're, they're going to look for the entertainment. But you can find those interviews on 30 Nerdy Podcast's YouTube channel, uh, or you can listen to the audio of those interviews in the most recent episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Other than that, you know, as, as you'll hear in our fellow podcast, Cocky Top, uh, where Brian and myself uh, talk Gamecock and volunteer football, both teams had their home kickoff openers. Yep. Both teams won. We'll dive a little more into that. On Cocky on Top. On Cocky Top, for sure. Uh, so look out for that this Friday. It's been a, a busy, busy time. It is lately. definitely a, a busy time for the area. Um, as you know, anyone that does travel to the area or mm-hmm. has been to the area, especially during the month of September, for Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, uh, just Sevier County in general, it is car show season. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had two or three car shows going on simultaneously this weekend. And those aren't even the biggest ones yet. Um, Traffic was not as affected as I thought it was going to be. At least it wasn't on Friday. Um, But there was still quite a few people in town. We also had another horror convention in town. Yeah, I saw that. A few names that people might recognize. Names like Kane Hodder uh, Mm. played Jason Voorhees in a majority of the Friday the 13th films. Uh, We had a repeat visit from the uh, guy who played Officer Doofy. Mm. Uh, in the uh, spoof, the scary scream movie. spoof movie, sca- in scary movie, yeah. yep. Several other prominent horror figures, as well as a lot of paranormal investigators. Mm-hmm. Jason Hawes from from Taps and Ghost Hunters. Uh, some representatives from the uh, different spinoff shows from the different Ghost Hunter shows, as well as several others and different cosplays and stuff yeah. going on at that. So definitely a fun and infi- and exciting weekend uh, here around the the Sevier County mm-hmm. Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area. And for those of you that are planning on potentially joining this coming weekend, it is the big car show, what used to be called the Grand or the Fall Grand Rod Run, but Mm. since the Grand Hotel and Convention Center is no longer in existence, it is just referred to as the Fall Rod Run Mm. or the Fall Pigeon Ford Rod Run, and that is the one that definitely brings in a lot of traffic. So if you are going to be heading to the area, make sure that you go ahead and check all that stuff out. But we are getting very, very close to the area fall festivities. So places like Dollywood will soon be going into their Great Pumpkin Luminites. The entire park will be decorated for the the fall and Halloween season, Mm -hmm. as well as having all of the amazing what would be fair and harvest type foods, the skillet potatoes, the sausage links, you know, Mm -hmm. any and all of that stuff. And one of my favorite times to definitely visit the park. Uh, apart from whenever the Christmas lights are on everything. Well, however, in, in a lot of the places in Sevier County, they're already hanging up those dadgum Christmas yeah, lights. Yeah, we're already starting to get the September. Christmas lights hung up. Uh, one of the biggest lies you'll ever hear told in this town is that our power bill is not affected by all of the Christmas Massive lights that lie. get put up. Uh, the locals all pay throughout for the county. it. Yes. If you want to get uh, on a on a macro scale, if you ever want to get taught how taxes work, Come to Surrey County, and we will definitely teach you about how that type of stuff uh, gets impacted in terms of having the all those Christmas lights up, and mm-hmm. then somebody's got to pay for it. So we all we all wind up yep. 
having our share of of that cost gets gets split between the thousands of people that live here so so you're welcome tourists who come just for christmas season <laughs> you're you're holding the receipts bud i mean yeah. uh talking about the the university of texas yeah <laughs> as a volunteer fan yeah you're welcome yeah. Uh, you got the you're welcome i'm 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 looking to cash in sort of attitude yeah. at some point in time yeah i dig it though i dig it so, uh, like as a local in the Sevier county area you should be able to write off at the end of the year how much you're charged in your electric bill like that additional and, from yes, all from that stuff november through february basically you should be able to write all that off as a local uh but the thing about it back. is you know how they get around it the fact that we don't have to pay any state taxes yeah so but <laughs> but we've got all this other stuff <laughs> Well, other than that, uh, as far as any kind of recap stuff, just some friendly reminders, guys. Here at Tennessee Legend Distillery, uh, the main sponsor for Legend Studios mm-hmm. and all the, well, most of the podcasts that we have have available through mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee Legend Legend Studios, we are still working our way towards the 10K giveaway. Uh, once we hit 10,000 followers on that Newport Highway page, we are going to be giving away a prize pack valued at around $1,000, if not more by the time we get around to being able to give this thing out, which does include a couple of nights stay at the Margaritaville Island Hotel there on the island in Pigeon Forge, right around traffic light number three. You will also be getting a swag pack as well as gift certificate for some of our wonderful products here at Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, after that little bit of a deep breath, (laughs) you are also going to be getting a gift certificate from over at Gatlinburg Brewing Company, which is located right next door to us here at 870 Winfield Dunn Parkway, Cerebral, Tennessee, 37876. And one final thing before we get into the meat and potatoes, as it were, or the cheeseburger in paradise of this episode, and that is going to be a reminder that we have the flavor of flavors for this time of year coming out this month and that is going to be our brand new never before had at tennessee legend distillery at any point and that is going to be an amazing pumpkin spice dairy liqueur added to our rotation and that is going to be our fall rotated dairy liqueur Um, after that we will be bringing back as we usually do in the month of december our peppermint mocha for the winter rotation after that the spring early spring is going to be our blueberries and cream that everybody absolutely loves Mm -hmm. and as it stands right now we are going to be bringing back the root beer float for the summer rotation going into next year so definitely a brand new flavor we want you to make sure and stop by and check it out at any one of our tasting locations and that should be available by the end of september Now, before we get into, like I said, the cheeseburger in paradise that is this episode, we are going to step away for a quick break from one of our friends of the Between Two Barrels podcast. Rolling out, no worries, no cares. When the car came out of nowhere. That's when my whole world changed Pills for the pain, medical bills insane I was down, I was out, but I wasn't quite done Call 546-1111 You're in pain, yeah we got you You can't pay, yeah we got you too Boom, turn your record to a check The ones for you now, call OEB Law Boom 
turn your wreck into a check We got your back now, call OEB Law Welcome back, Legends. And we are discussing the life and time and legend of Mr. Jimmy Buffett. Yes, born James William Buffett, December 25th, on Christmas Day in 1946. And like we said in the opener, we unfortunately did lose him what would have been September 1st of this year. Jimmy Buffett, of course, was an American songwriter, musician, author, and businessman. He was best known for his tropical rock music, which often portrays a lifestyle described as island escapism. Buffett recorded hit songs known as The Big Eight, which Margaritaville ranked 234th on the Recording Industry Association of America's list of songs of the century. Come Monday, 1974, Fins in 1979, Volcano, 1979, A Pirate Looks at 40, 1974, Cheeseburger in Paradise, 1978, Why Don't We Get Drunk in 1973, Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes, one of my personal favorites in 1977, with some other popular songs including Son of a Son of a Sailor in 1978, One Particular Harbor in 1983, more recently it's 5 o'clock somewhere which does go 20 years ago in 2003, and he formed his band, the Coral Reefer Band, in 1975. All of those, except for the last few, mm-hmm. are included on the Yellow Album, mm-hmm. or what people recognize as the Yellow, the Yellow album, album, but it's the Songs You Know By Heart album. Yeah. And, uh, of course, in, in more recent years, he has also done collaborations with Kenny Chesney and then everyone in the South rock or southern country Mm -hmm. wanted to partner with jimmy buffett on something oh after uh alan jackson with Mm -hmm. his five o'clock somewhere you got uh like you said him and kenny chesney because kenny chesney got on the huge kick of doing the the island just that beach groove vibe Mm -hmm. uh of course um he worked with toby keith Mm -hmm. on some stuff and even as we talked about in the intro, helped write some some hip hop stuff yeah. as well, which is which is so insane. I, I and we'll actually get into this later know. on. Uh, and believe it or not, the the person and we do get into this. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'll I'll leave it for later, just as yeah. a surprise, because this one really shocked me. So, so of the over 30 albums released by Buffett, eight are certified gold, and nine are certified platinum or multi platinum. In total, Buffett sold over 20 million albums. Buffett also portrayed the island escapism lifestyle of his music into several business ventures, including Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville restaurant chain, the now defunct Cheeseburger in Paradise restaurant chain, and ventures in hotels, casinos, liquor, and retirement communities. Buffett was one of the world's richest musicians with a network of $1 billion. He was also a best-selling author. His devoted fan base, composed mostly of baby boomers, are known as parrot heads. 
Buffett died, sadly, on September 1, 2023, at the age of 76, in his home in Sag Harbor, New York, due to complications from Markle cell carcinoma, a rare and aggressive skin cancer, which he had been diagnosed four years earlier. Buffett was born December 25th, one of the greatest Christmas gifts we were given. Yep. In 1946, in Pascagoula. Pascagoula. Oh, yeah. In Pascagoula. Sleepy little town of Pascagoula. So many things yeah. coming out of Pascagoula. Yeah. I've also got another one that I'll tell you about after the show okay. that come out of Pascagoula. In Mississippi, and spent part of his childhood in Mobile and Fairhope, Alabama. He was the son of Mary Lorraine, who died September 25th of 2003, and James Delaney Buffett, Jr., who died May 1st of 2003, who worked for the United States Army Corps of Engineers. He has two younger siblings, Lori, who was born in 1948, and Lucy, born in 1953. So two younger sisters. Absolutely. And it makes sense as far as the the amount of, of references to Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the Bama song Bama Breeze, yep, having been in Mobile and Fairhope for quite some time. Well, and a lot of people, I think, um, misconstrue Bama. You know, they think Bama. They think, you know, country. You forget that Bama, it has a coast. It has a coast. Yeah. yeah. You forget you that forget there's beaches. You forget about Gulf Shores and Dolphin stuff Island like that. Dolphin Island and all yeah. that. So he was already born with that beachy. The, well, I mean, going on, continuing in, as a child, he was exposed to sailing. His grandfather, James Delaney Buffett, was a steamship captain from New Finland and his father was a marine engineer and sailor. These experiences later influenced his music. Wow, his grandfather was a Newfie. Yeah. Buffett attended attended St. Ignatius School, where he played the trombone in the school band. He graduated from McGill Institute in 1964. He then enrolled at Auburn University and was taught how to play guitar by a Kappa Sigma fraternity brother to garner attention from girls. Buffett failed out of Auburn after a year in April 1966. Unable to balance his newfound interest in music and girls with his college classes, he continued college at Pearl River Community College and the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where he received a bachelor's degree in history in 1969. In college, he worked in a shipyard as an electrician and welder. He avoided serving in the Vietnam War due to a college deferment and a failed physical exam. So, who knows, if he had actually gotten fully enlisted and and went to Vietnam, we may not have have gotten all the the things that, you know, or, you know, been blessed with all the the music and and good times and and the positive and bright outlook on Mm -hmm. life uh, that we have as a result of of this man's Absolutely. music. A little bit about his personal life. He married Margie Washacek in 1969. They divorced in 1972. Uh, Buffett met his second wife, Jane, then a student from the University of South Carolina, at the Chart Room Bar while she was visiting Key West on the spring break. She never went back to school. They were married in 1977 in Aspen, where the Eagles who Buffett was the opening act for in 1975, played at the wedding. Imagine that, having the Eagles Play being your, wedding, your wedding. wedding. They uh, had two daughters, 
uh, radio personality Savannah Buffett, and filmmaker Sarah Delaney, born in 1992, and an adopted son, Cameron Marley, born in 1994. They split in the early 1980s due to their partying lifestyle, but reconciled in 1991 after she got sober. Buffett resided in a waterfront estate in Sag Harbor, New York. In 2010, he sold his house in Palm Beach, Florida for $18.5 million. He had bought the house in 1994 for $4.4 million. At that time, he also owned two-unit property in the area, which he purchased in 2002 for $802,000. In 2013, he purchased another house in Palm Beach, with 3,100 square feet for $1.3 million. In 2020, he sold a 4,783 square foot house in Palm Beach for $6.9 million. He paid $4.95 million for it in 2011. Buffett also owned a home in St. Bartholomew, where he lived on and off in early 1980s. There, he was part of owner of Artur, Artur de Roche. De Roche. Roche, yeah. Roche Hotel and Restaurant. It burned down, sadly. Uh, he also owned an apartment in the Deutsche Bank Center in New York City. So he was also a bit of a... Uh, played with like... Real estate. Real estate a little bit. In May of 2015, Buffett became a member of First Baptist Church of Boston Spa after buying a home in Saratoga Springs, New York just kind of odd hearing about him having all this property in new york whenever he was definitely a southern boy mm-hmm. i mean coming out of louisiana southern and then of course of yeah uh alabama and stuff like that yeah speaking of louisiana buffett was a devoted new orleans saints fan and if you watched anything uh what would have been yesterday throughout the game during the titans and saints game uh they actually honored him a couple of times yeah. during that and if you remember back a few years, whenever they had that huge, egregious missed call uh, in the playoffs, mm-hmm. uh, the following year, Buffett wound up wearing a referee's uniform, but also had a pair of glasses and the, the blind walking cane uh, to, to prove a point <laughs> that following season opener. Having attended the team's first game at Tulane Stadium in 1967. So Buffett was there for game one for the Saints, wow. believe it or not. On April 1st, 2012, he had Saints head coach at the time, Sean Payton, serve as an honorary member of the Coral Reefer Band at a concert in New Orleans in protest of Payton's suspension by the NFL as a result of the New Orleans Saints bounty scandal. Buffett was an avid pilot and owned a Dassault Falcon 900. I wonder if we ever called it the Millennium Falcon. Oh, I would. Jet that he often used while on consort tours and during his travels. At various points, he also owned a Boeing Stearman, a Cessna Citation, Lake Amphibian, Pilatus PC-12, and a Grumman Albatross. Now, on August 25th, 1994, around 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Buffett unfortunately crashed his Grumman G44 Widgeon while attempting to take off in the waters uh, off Nantucket, Massachusetts. The airplane nosed over and Buffett was able to swim to safety, sustaining only minor injuries. He talks about Nantucket a lot in a lot of his songs. Old Nantucket Way. Yep. On August 25th, or sorry, February 4th, 2001, Buffett was ejected from the American Airlines Arena, now the K- 
Kaseya Center in Miami during a basketball game between the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks for cursing. The referee who ejected Buffett apparently did not know who he was and got upset at Heat coach Pat Riley because he thought Riley, who was trying to explain to him who Buffett was, was insulting him by asking if he had ever been a parrot head, the nickname for Buffett fans. So I can only imagine the head coach of the Miami Heat sitting there going like, No, no, have you ever been a parrot head? What would you call me? A pothead? And he has not, I guarantee you that ref still to this day has not lived that down. Oh, God, no, for not knowing His who Jimmy Buffett was. tell every newbie, like, well, Jim over there. You know, right. Throughout Jimmy Buffett one time. And, um, yeah, and imagine being that guy, being known as the guy that threw out Jimmy Buffett. Tell us what happened on October the 6th. Oh, uh, yeah, he was uh, detained by French customs officials in uh, 2006 in St. Tropez for allegedly carrying over 100 pills of ecstasy. Buffett's luggage was searched for his uh, Dassault Falcon 900 private jet landed at Toulon Jerez International Airport. He paid a fine of $300 and was released. Spokesperson for Buffett stated the pills in question were prescription drugs but declined to name the drug or the health problem of which he was being treated for. Buffett was released a statement that the ecstasy, quote-unquote, was in fact a B vitamin supplement known as Falks. Now, I wonder if that's something because it had said that he had been diagnosed earlier with the Merkel cell Mm -hmm. as far as the carcinoma. I wonder if that's something that that could have been being taken because of that. Yeah. Uh, On January 26, 2011, Australia Day, Buffett was performing a concert in Australia at Sydney's Horden Pavilion when he fell off the stage after an encore. Coincidentally, one of Australia's leading trauma surgeon, Gordon Fold, was, was at the concert and close to the stage. Fold treated Buffett at the scene. Buffett regained consciousness within a few minutes and was then transported to St. Vincent's Hospital Emergency Center for treatment and was discharged the next day. Buffett returned to Australia in 2012 for two shows in Brisbane and Melbourne and made fun of the incident during those shows. I remember the last time I was here and I fell (laughs) off and got a concussion and ended up being in a coma for two and a half minutes. (laughs) Only Jimmy Buffett. Only Jimmy Buffett. Now, in 2015, Buffett spoke at the University of Miami's graduation ceremony and received an honorary doctorate in music. Not that we didn't already know that he was a doctor laying down some Mm -hmm. awesome grooves. Mm -hmm. But wearing flip-flops and aviator sunglasses, he told graduates from a line in his song, The Pascagoula Run, that it's time to see the world, time to kiss a girl, and time to cross the wild meridian. Like I said earlier, there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in the lyrics that that he presented, and there's yeah. a lot of things that can be pulled yeah. from from those songs that that I know for me personally helped me get through some some mm-hmm. trying times, and I'm sure the same can be said for you. Yes. 
but just to to have that type of a, a, a lyrical repertoire, you know, is insane. Now, by 2017, Buffett's diet did not include sugar or carbohydrates except on Sundays, and he lo- no longer smoked marijuana. You gotta make these changes sometimes in life. <laughs> you do, you do. Now, believe it or not, Buffett was a supporter of the Democratic Party. He sang in Florida for the Bill Clinton 1992 presidential campaign and again for Bill Clinton in the White House in August of 2000. He hosted fundraisers for the Democratic politicians, including several for Hillary Clinton in 2016. Then in 2018, Buffett hosted a concert to support Gwen Graham, daughter of Bob Graham, in the Democratic Party of the 2018 Florida gubernatorial election. In November of 2018, he hosted a rally for Florida Democratic candidates Andrew Gilliam and Bill Nelson in West Palm Beach, Florida, changing the lyrics of some of his songs to disparage the policies of Rick Scott and Donald Trump at the time. The rally faced some backlash from conservative fans. And then in 2015, Buffett's hometown of Pascagoula, Mississippi, named a bridge after him in his honor, Buffett Bridge, and a species of crustacean discovered in 2023 named the Nathia Jimmy Buffetty was also named after Buffett. <laughs> that's, that's cool. You got a bridge and a crab named after me. <laughs> Buffett's music combined country, rock, folk, calypso, and pop music with coastal as well well as tropical lyrical themes for a sound sometimes called Gulf and Western, or tropical rock. Buffett called his music drunken Caribbean rock and roll. It's pure escapism is all it is. I'm not the first one to do it, nor shall I be probably the last, but I think it's really a part of the human condition that you've got to have some fun. You've got to get away from whatever you do to make a living or other parts of life that stress you out. I try to make it at least 50-50 fun to work, and so far it's worked out fine. Now, in 1989, a music critic in the Washington Post described Buffett's music as a combination of tropical languor with country funkiness into what some have called the Key West Sound, or Gulf and Western. The name Gulf and Western actually derives from elements in Buffett's early music including musical influences from country along with lyrical themes from the coast of the Gulf of Mexico. It is a play on the form of country and western and Gulf Western is the former parent company of Paramount Pictures. Huh. Interesting. Also in 2020 the Associated Press described Buffett's sound as special Gulf Coast blend of country, pop, folk, and rock topped by Buffett's swaying voice. Few can mix steel pans, trombones, and pedal steel guitar so effortlessly. And that's one of the things, I mean, that you hear all these different musical elements mm-hmm. in his music. Yeah, he wasn't just like a, a three or four person concert. He traveled. Oh no, the Coral Reefer band was, was huge. massive. You had a, a brass section, mm-hmm. basically. You had the, the steel drums, the hammered steel drums, multiple sections, percussionists. Multiple acoustic guitars, backup singers. Yep dancers in some numbers i mean he traveled with a it was massive, a show it was a, it was a full show. on experience and show i really hate that i, I unfortunately never, never the got the opportunity yeah. to see and him. just went well you know the opportunity what? Just go. was there yeah just go yep. like looking back now i would i would have said to the multiple chances that tyler younger tyler had 
even if it's like well you're gonna have to miss a day of work and stay at some crappy hotel you can afford i would have said dude trust me go see him now right because you'd be shocked at how soon you won't be able to and and that just being immoral take the trip people buy the ticket go see the concert go see the movie you know take the trip because you'll always remember the journey take the chance Speaking of his music, musical legacy, musicians that have cited Buffett as a musical influence include Greg Fingers Taylor, a former member of Buffett's Coral Reefer Band, as well as musicians that have latched onto his seaside and booze themes, such as Kenny Chesney, Alan Jackson, and Zach Brown. After graduating in 1969, Buffett moved to New Orleans and often held street performances for tourists on Decatur and played for drunken crowds in the former Bayou Room nightclub on Bourbon Street. In 1970, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee to further his country music career while working as a journalist for Billboard magazine, where he was the first writer to report that bluegrass duo Flat and Scruggs had disbanded. Mans was getting the inside scoop way back when before he even become major or majorly known for being able or being the the artist that he was he released his first album the country tinged folk rock record down to earth in august of 1970 and it sold 324 copies in the fall of 1971 after an impromptu audition buffett was hired by the exit in a national club as the opening act for recording artist Diane Davidson. Unhappy with the business climate in Nashville and with his first marriage heading for divorce, Buffett took up offer by fellow country singer Jerry Jeff Walker, whom he had met in Nashville for lodging in his house in Coconut Grove. In November 1971, they went to Key West on a busking expedition. Buffett liked it so much that he moved there in the spring of 1972. There he got involved in the literary scene, meeting writers Thomas McGuane, who married Buffett's sister, Jim Harrison, Tom Cochran, and Truman Capote. Sex and drugs were plentiful. Truman Capote. I know, right? And Tom Cochran. Wow. He was hired by David Walkowski, playing for drinks at the chart room in the Pier House Motel. There he met his second wife. From a connection he made there, he was hired as the first mate on the yacht industrialist Foster Taj, heir to the rival company, which became his day job. So he got even some sailing in on his own earlier on in his career. Then in 1973, Buffett signed a recording contract with ABC or Dunhill Records, then run by Don Gant. After the death of Jim Croce in a plane crash in September 1973, Dunhill promoted Buffett as a replacement. Wow. Yeah, so Jim Croce was the leading recording artist for what would have been ABC or Dunhill Records at the time, and because he passed away, they needed to put someone else in his place as their top next guy earner. Up. Yeah, next man up mentality. Buffett, Jeez. you're in. Oh, it's really sad that he died. All right, who's next? Right. <laughs> his second release and his first release on ABC Dunhill Records was a white sport coat and a pink crustacean. Which, funny enough, later on he wound up having a crustacean named yeah. after him. Uh, recorded at Tomple Glasser's studio on Music Row and released in June of 1973. 
The album featured the hit singles Grapefruit, Juicy Fruit, another great one. Mm. Of course, a lot of people know this one, Why Don't We Get Drunk? As well as I Have Found Me a Home, written about his experiences in Key West. He used the money he made from the album to buy his first boat. Grapefruit, Juicy Fruit. Uh, so, Living and Dying in Three-Fourths Time, recorded in October 1973 and released in 1974, uh, deviated from the island theme of his other albums. It included Come Monday, uh, Great Ballad, uh, written for his then-girlfriend and future wife. Which I saw on a, a replay interview, mm-hmm. you know, ever since he had passed and showing on social media, that that's the song that actually kept him alive. He was contemplating suicide at the time and it was that song that that wound up making it big is what caused him to to not like he was living on his own uh he was like down and out on all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. at that point in time and and yeah he was looking for something to happen and then of course that one happened and that was his first single to place uh on the billboard hot 100 yeah Uh, A1A, released in December in 1974, included A Pirate Looks at 40, written about a drug smuggler. Which is a really fun song. Mm-hmm. In 1975, Buffett formed the Coral Reefer Band. Buffett credits his future wife for cleaning up their look, replacing their ripped Levi jeans and collarless shirts. The band was the opening act for the Eagles in 1975. Havana Daydreamin', produced by Don Gant was released in January of 1976 and in January 1977 he released Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes which in addition to the title track featured his breakthrough hit song The Margaritaville Havana Daydreaming was the album that really like yes. set the parrot head see I still have uh, on vinyl my dad's vinyls I still have Changes in Attitudes the Yellow Album and I'm pretty sure I have A1A. Nice. Uh, Buffett claims that he wrote most of the song in six minutes. Ironically, while it attempts to negatively portray tourists in Key West, it led to an increase in tourism to the city. Of course. Backfire. Maybe we should do something like yes. that for Severable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that year, he sublet his apartment in Key West to Hunter S. Thompson. Wow. Rum Diaries. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas that Johnny Depp played. That Hunter S. That Thompson. That Hunter S. Thompson wound up living in Jimmy Buffett's Which, apartment. fun fact, did you know that uh, to really get into character and to play the character for the movie, Johnny Depp actually wore Hunter S.'s real clothes? Yes. Ugh. That's Wild. crazy. Wild. Buffett first traveled to St. Bartholomew in 1978 and moved there shortly after where he got the inspiration for songs and characters in his books. In March 1978, he released Son of a Son of a Sailor. In addition to the title track, it featured Cheeseburger in Paradise, which is one of my favorites, Yep. which reached number 32 on the Hot 100. In August of 1979, he released Volcano, which included Fins and the title track. Fins is another good one, so mm-hmm. is Volcano. It really is. Like he, it, You know, you have so many artists who, who release these albums, where at least 60% of that album is not going to be what the kids call bops. 
right. and will will not be like, oh, they're not going to play that on the radio, or they're not. Most of his albums, maybe one or two, were not carried over into played on the radio right. or still played today. But like most of what Jimmy wrote, everyone still sings today. Oh, for sure. And everyone loved every single song. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just a rarity. It's it's a rare thing. And not only was it this type of music, he wound up doing a Christmas album. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows the Mele Kalikimaka. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know it from uh, National Vacation. Lampoons from Christmas yeah. Vacation, that's not Buffett singing it in that, but no. whenever he uh, uh, recorded it, whenever he covered it, I mm-hmm. mean, it was fantastic. And he mm-hmm. actually brought in the full island sound into it compared to what the previous yeah. person had, you know, the original recording artist had did for it. Of course, in 1985, talking about all those songs, he released the compilation album Songs You Know by Heart, which included all of the big eight, which are the ones mm-hmm. that he are he is most known for, and was his best-selling album, selling over 7 million copies by 2005. In 1994, Buffett duetted with Frank Sinatra on a cover of Mac the Knife on Sinatra's final studio album, Duets 2. Definitely going to have to check that out, because I didn't know that Buffett had recorded Mac the Knife with Blue Eyes. Which, is that Mac is back in town? Is that Mac the Knife? I think so, yeah. Uh, um, They actually say... um, It's in Vegas Vacation. Yeah. That song is. Yeah. I think it's their duet version, too, if I remember correctly. Good possibility. It may be. In 1996, Buffett penned the song Jamaica Mistaka for his Banana Wind album based on a January 1996 incident in which Buffett's Grumman HU-16 airplane named Hemisphere Dancer was shot at by Jamaican police who believed the craft to be smuggling marijuana. The aircraft sustained minimal damage and the plane was carrying Buffett as well as Bono of U2, his wife, and two children. Yikes. An Island Records producer, Chris Blackwell, and co-pilot Bill Dindy, the Jamaican government acknowledged the mistake and apologized to Buffett. Well, I'm glad they did apologize, and I'm glad nobody got hurt, because if Bono and everybody else would have wound up, you know what I mean? So i got to ask you, do you like U2? I mean, there's some stuff of theirs that's okay, but for the a, most part, I mean, I'm not a huge yeah. U2 fan. Remember a few years ago when they just invaded our... Our privacy and just dropped an album on everyone's phone. Oh, right, yeah. Without even asking. Yeah, it's just like, boom, here's this. Here's this. I was like, I, I, I didn't want this. You're taking up my memory, Bono. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't ask for this. I, I wasn't going to get the album. Every I've t- listened to like one song from, from U2. It, every, every time I hear Bono, I, I get reminded of the... The one little snippet from Family Guy. Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter, this is for the starving <laughs> children, the Peter. Starving children, uh, did Peter. you just see that? No, no, I'm saving it for the starving oh, children. Oh, no, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, like I said, at least the, the Jamaican government did. Yeah. And, and he was, apologized. And he was, you know, okay enough to, it's a Jamaica mistake. Uh. Yeah. And he wrote an entire album. So looking ahead, or actually in this case we'll be looking back, in April 1998, Buffett released an album of songs from a musical theater production he co-created based on Herman Woke's novel Don't Stop the Carnival. It was certified gold. Buffett's song Math Sucks, released in May 1999, was condemned by the U.S. National Council of Teachers and (laughs) Mathematics 
and the National Education Association for its allegative negative effect on children's education. Comedian John Stewart also criticized the song on The Daily Show during a segment called Math is Quite Pleasant. That's uh, one of the few times I mean John Stewart are going to have to disagree. And uh, agree to disagree. Yeah. Uh, by 1999, Buffett had shifted to a more relaxed concert schedule of around 20 to 30 dates per year with infrequent back-to-back nights, preferring to play only on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. This schedule provided the title of his 1999 live album. In 2003, he partnered in a partial duet with Alan Jackson for the song It's Five O'Clock Somewhere, which spent a then-record eight weeks atop the country, Hot songs chart are the hot country songs charts. This song won the 2003 Country Music Association Award for Vocal Event of the Year, Buffett's first award in his 30-year recording career. That's a travesty. That is insane. He didn't win an award until he did some with Alan Jackson, and he gave us legendary tunes. Legendary God. songs. The voters should be kicked in the face. They really should. <laughs> I mean, just. Uh, the emotion and the, the, the thought and everything that is invoked by some of I these mean, songs. I mean, you're pretty much saying that Son of a Son of a Sailor, Pirate Looks at 40, didn't win. Margarita changes in latitudes, changes, changes in attitudes. Changes in latitudes, fins, volcano, juicy fruit, any of those didn't None of that win stuff. before it's 5 o'clock somewhere. That's insane. Which, which, don't get me wrong, I listen to it if I'm swimming, I listen to it every summer. It's, it's a right, summer. It's a summer staple. It's fantastic. But, come on. That's insane. Buffett's album License to Chill, released on July 13, 2004, sold 238,500 copies in the first week of releasing, according to Nielsen Soundscan. With the album, Buffett topped the U.S. pop albums chart for the first time in his career. Again, insane. In May 2005, Buffett signed an agreement with Sirius Satellite Radio to broadcast Radio Margaritaville which from its founding in 1998 was broadcast on, only online. The channel broadcast from the Margaritaville Resort Orlando in Kissimmee, Florida. In August 2006, Buffett released the album Take the Weather With You, which hit number one on the country chart. The album included Breathe In, Breathe Out, Move On, written in honor of the survivors of Hurricane Katrina. In August of 2007, Buffett was nominated for a CMA for the Event of the Year Award in the song Hey Good Lookin', which also features Alan Jackson and George Strait. Also in August 2007, Buffett received a star on the Mohegan Sun Walk of Fame. Now the music video to that Hey Hey Good Looking, which is a redo of Hank Williams Sr.'s song. Right. Uh, the music video to it is actually he's live in concert somewhere. Right. And he surprises the audience with like five other people coming in and doing different verses with him. It's Toby Keith, Kenny Chesney, George Strait, Alan Jackson, him, and someone else. Christopherson? Um, it might have been. It might have been Christopherson. But, I mean, just the fact that, I mean, with these these accolades, I mean, it almost seems like... It seems almost like he didn't hit his stride till early he 2000. Already, he had already done, like, all of his stuff and flew under the radar... And it wasn't until it Music wasn't until video. people started wanting to yeah. sample his his stuff and and be brought in as a collaborator mm-hmm. that the mainstream because it was the baby boomers and it, I think that's what it is in the fact that his his 
main thing was during the time of baby boomers. So it was kind of a situation to where as the technology progressed... People started hearing more of Jimmy Buffett. People, well, yeah, but the the boomers not being as technologically adept yeah. downloads as opposed to discs and stuff like that, his plays were significantly less because of that format change and the people that were making that change didn't really recognize or didn't remember those songs those i mean to I, he said it those songs you know by heart mm-hmm. until later on and then after his death all those people remembered all those different things and now if you look at the uh apple music or iMusic downloads right now he's charting he's like got crazy. six out of the top ten yeah going right now including six of what would be the big eight mm-hmm. of his career and and these were all things that were written and released in the 70s it's insane it's crazy it's like he was a, a result of rotten tomatoes of music and it wasn't until afterwards until after everything's gone down that he's getting all these chart toppers and everything else and i'm curious to see what some of the other posthumous stuff that has been released on some albums that mm-hmm. he was recently working on before everything happened. But continuing on, in April 2010, a double CD of performances recorded during the 2008 and 2009 tours called Encores was released exclusively at Walmart, walmart.com, and margaritaville.com. In 2010, he was named the 10th biggest touring artist of the decade with 4.5 million ticket sales over the previous 10 years. Since Wyatt Durrett, co-writer of the song Knee Deep, was a fan of Buffett's, Buffett's partnered on the song with Zach Brown Band, which was released on Brown's 2010 albums, You Get What You Give. The single was certified platinum in September of 2017. In November 2011, Buffett, Buffett voiced Huckleberry Finn on Mark Twain, Words and Music, a benefit for the Mark Twain Boyhood Home and Museum, which was released on Mailboat Records. In August 2013, Buffett released Songs from Saint Somewhere. Many of the songs were recorded at Eden Rock in St. Barth's. You know, the fun fact about Knees Deep is we both worked at the Smoky Mountain Opera. Yeah. That song that was, was the always the exit, exit music. Song. That yeah. was when all the guests would be exiting. That's what played. And so anytime that that plays now in my regular day life, I'm going through you're, like, you're well, I guess we're leaving. I'm, my character's probably going to the tour buses to get them back on their buses and shake hands and thank them for coming. And then we... I'm making my way down from the catwalk yeah. to then... People are getting vacuums yeah. ready and stuff like that to reset for tomorrow or the next show. Or for, yeah, even yeah. the next show. Because there was many, many times that we yeah. were doing two, if not three shows during the day with that being mm-hmm. the case. So. so anytime I hear that song now, I'm like, oop, there it is. There's that memory. Unlocked. You know that Buffett had already already released the Songs You Know By Heart or the Yellow mm-hmm. album. Yeah. But in 2020, Buffett released Songs You Don't Know By Heart which was a fan-curated collection of his lesser-known songs recorded on his collection of notable guitars. It was due to release, uh, or he was due to release his 30th studio album, Equal Strain, on all parts in late 2023. Uh, Buffett got the idea for the album title from his grandfather's description of a nap. 
Buffett performed his final full concert at Snapdragon Stadium in San Diego on May 6, 2023. He made two further concert appearances as an unannounced guest at concerts by Coral Reefer Band members in Amagansett, New York on June 11th and in Portsmouth, Rhode Island on July 2nd, his final live performance before his death. Wow. So my birthday this last year would have been his final live performance. Yeah. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is your Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. You're currently listening to our legendary friends and personal spirit guides, Brian and Opie, at the Between Two Barrels podcast. After you're done, head on over to the 30 and Nerdy podcast and give us a listen. Life as a nerd moves pretty fast these days, so tune in and keep up with us as we dive into all aspects of nerd culture, from Marvel and DC to Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Dive into the ever-growing world of pop culture with us, Tyler Mack and Josh Davis. Cheers to you, nerds. A.K.A. the fans. Proud Par- to be one. Yeah, very proud. Very proud to be one. Parrothead or Parrothead is commonly used nickname for Buffett fans. With parakeets or Keats used for younger fans or children of Parrotheads. I didn't know that. So you can go from a, a Keat or a Parakeet to a Parrothead. Yeah. Full on Parrothead. At a 1985 Jimmy Buffett concert at the Timberwolf Amphitheater at Kings Island in Mason, Ohio, Buffett commented about everyone wearing Hawaiian shirts and parrot hats, and now they kept how they kept coming back to see his shows, just like Deadheads. Timothy B. Schmidt, then a member of the Coral Reefer Band, coined the term Parrothead. So that's where it came from. Instead of being referred to as a Deadhead following the Grateful Dead around, mm-hmm. it was Parrotheads parrot following Jimmy Buffett around. I like that. In 1989, the first Parrothead Club was founded in Atlanta. The annual meeting of the Mines in Key West, Florida, is a five-day festival held after Fantasy Fest that attracts approximately 5,000 Parrotheads. The Pikes Peak Hash House Harriers and Harriettes have an annual Parrothead Hash Weekend hosted by Yeasty Boy and Breadbox. Buffett's fan base is composed mostly of baby boomers. Of course, during the what would be the 70s. Yeah. I mean, that's whenever a majority of his stuff first came out. Now, his concerts were known as for their tailgate parties and alcohol consumption, along with a couple of other herbs. Right. Buffett wrote three books, all of which placed on the New York best-selling bestseller list. Tales from Margaritaville, Where is Joe Merchant? Both spent over seven months on the New York Times bestseller fiction list. His memoir, A Pirate Looks at 50, published in 1998, was straight to number one 
on the New York Best Times Best New York Times bestseller notification list, nonfiction list, making him one of the few authors to have reached number one on both the fiction and nonfiction lists. Wow. Buffett also co-wrote two children's books, The Jolly Mon and Trouble Dolls, with his eldest daughter, Savannah Buffett. The original hardcover release of The Jolly Mon included a cassette tape recording of two reading the story, accompanied by an original score written by Michael U- Mr. Utley. Michael Utley. Nice. A uh, longtime uh, Reefer Band member. Yes. Uh, and I believe also became a character... In his Broadway musical, uh, Escape to Margaritaville, he uses Mr. Utley as a, an actual character in the show. Nice. Uh, Buffett's novel, A Salty Piece of Land, was released on November 30th, 2004. And the first edition of the book included a CD sing- single of the song, A Salty Piece of Land. The book was a New York Times bestseller soon after its release. Buffett's last little swine knot was released on maybe thir- May 13th, 2008. So, also a very successful author. Which I definitely want to look into getting The Pirate Looks at 50. I'd love to, love read, to read that, that just that, to yeah. get some of the other stories that I'm sure were not released at any point in time, um, uh, doing interviews and stuff like that, unless you you were able to find the, the right source to be able to hear those or, or hear some first-hand accounts. But... Yeah, I'd definitely like to, to look into at least reading that one, if not uh, uh, all of these. Now getting into the specifics as far as film and television. And this is something that uh, I had kind of alluded to whenever we first got started, especially with the uh, more hip-hop beat stuff, or yeah. this will include that. Um, he did some work for soundtracks. Of yeah. course, you know that a lot of his, the big eight, as it were, uh, have been included in some form or another in several films that depict, oh, yeah. you know... Even if it's soundtracking yeah. or just playing in the movie in the background. Uh, he's His stuff, his library's been used in multiple aspects of different IP of film and TV and stuff like that. For sure. Um, but I did not know that he wrote the soundtrack for, co-produced, and played a role in the 2006 film Hoot. Directed by Will Schreiner. Is that about the owl? And I'm not entirely sure. I think I've seen that. I haven't either. I'm definitely going to have to look into it, especially knowing that he wrote the music for it. That's awesome. And based on the book by Carl Heisen, which focused on issues important to Buffett, such as conservation. Mm. The film was not a critical or commercial success. I mean, among his other film music credits are the theme song to the short-lived 1993 CBS television series Johnny Bago, Turning Around for the 1985 film Summer Rental, starring John Candy, which I absolutely love that movie and did not know that that was the the case of him having written that song. Um, I Don't Know, which was Spicoli's theme for the 1982 film Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, Hello, Texas for the 1980 John Travolta film Urban Cowboy. And if I'm going to eat somebody, it might as well be you for the animated film Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, which was sung in the film by rap artist Tone Loke. Ah, Fern Gully, a.k.a. The original script for Avatar. Avatar The Last. (laughs) Yeah. 
Avatar, the, the, the blue James people. Cameron blue James people, Cameron, not the blue last people. airbender one. Not the last airbender one. Uh, but yeah, uh, the fact that he wrote uh, the Spicoli theme for That's Fast Times. funny. Um, the Hello Texas for John Travolta and Urban Cowboy. And the the Summer song sung by Tone Loke. And, and yes, and yeah, the, the turning movie. around for, for Summer Rental. Now, now, my favorite candy movie is probably The Great Outdoors. It is very difficult for me to pick out my absolute favorite candy movie, especially whenever you take into consideration what would be Great Outdoors, mm-hmm. Summer Rental, mm-hmm. uh, Delirious. Stripes. Stripes. Uh, while he was in Stripes, of course, it wasn't as a predominant it, yeah. role. That was more, of course, the Bill Murray and Harold mm-hmm. Ramis uh, led. Uh, but there's also Judge Reinhold was in that movie, for those people that may not remember that one. Yeah. Neil from the Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, quite a few other people in that movie um, that that you wouldn't even think about, no, you know, <laughs> looking back. Yeah, oh, holy crap, those were people all in yeah. a movie together? Oh, they're all legends. Um that's definitely one that we're going to have to look at is candy. Oh, yeah. Um, especially as far as legends are concerned, is going back and looking at the film legend that was John Candy mm-hmm. uh, as a wonderful uh, actor uh, um, on television, family man, and and wearer of the Canadian tuxedo. Yes. Uh, and just great Canadian in yeah. John Candy. Um, but yeah, uh, writing the music for all those different things is insane. And I know exactly which song it is that they're talking about for Summer Rental. Uh, and I'll play it for you after we get done with this because it's it's a, uh, the montage. It's yeah. one of the montage songs. Speaking of uh, film, not only did he do a lot of audio for stuff, he also made some cameo appearances in a few different things. Um, including Repo Man. The original. The original Repo Man. Yeah. Not uh, Repo the Genetic Opera. No, not no that. we're talking about the uh, original movie Repo Man. Yeah. Um, you would not recognize him because he was in a lot of uh, costuming mm-hmm. at that point in time. But if you remember from the movie Hook, whenever Robin Williams' character of Peter Pan first gets dropped into nice Neverland, shoes. the guy that says, Those are some nice shoes tries to take his shoes away mm-hmm. that was jimmy buffett uh and another uh cameo in that movie since we're on that subject for uh, real quick yes. uh the person that gets dropped into the boo box i did i did i did is, glenn close is glenn close the the actress glenn mm-hmm. close uh and donning lots of makeup and going into the boo box uh for that movie which was fantastic uh one of my favorite movies to to just put on Amen. while you're doing something. I mean, because it's one that you know the words to. Yes. You can. It's a quotably fun movie, and you don't have to watch it. You and can it might just be my favorite it. Peter Pan story. I think so too, because it 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 looks at well, what would have happened if Peter had stayed mm-hmm. in the real world as opposed to going back to Neverland at and any you point know in time. Hook would never forget. He'd find some way. Oh, for sure. Uh, because I mean, of course, you know, time is completely different. Plus, Dustin's in performance of Hook in that movie. Oh <sighs> yes, fantastic. So I'm wondering if there's a, a potential for a sequel. I know that. I mean, I know that you can't really do anything. The fact that Williams is what gone. I but could, what I would do with the sequel? Could there be a, a Pan lineage? Yeah, you could do a lineage. Like the spirit of Pan. 
mm-hmm. lives on in somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, if it's not been done yet, we'll need to be looking into writing mm-hmm. a script. <laughs> Get it to Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> so that way it's not uh, AI done, generated Please. stuff. Getting into more of those cameo appearances, Cobb, Hoot, and Congo. Um, the Killer was, Gorilla movie? Yes, he was in Congo. I uh, believe he was the uh, pilot, like one of the pilots. <gasps> oh! Yeah. He is. From, in the movie Congo. Yes, oh the Killer Gorilla God. movie. Um, and From the Earth, also, and From the Earth to the Moon. Uh, he also made a cameo appearances as himself in Rancho Deluxe, for which he also wrote the music, and in the movie FM. Wow. He was in some episodes of South Park, in the South Park episode Tonsil Trouble, an animated version of Buffett, but not voiced by Buffett, saying AIDS Burger in Paradise and Cure Burger in Paradise. Buffett also appeared on the Sesame Street special Elmo Palooza, singing Caribbean Amphibian with the popular Muppet Kermit the Frog. Buffett also portrayed helicopter Frank Bama mm. in episodes of the 2010 reboot of Hawaii Five-O in April 2011, April 2013, March 2015, January 2017, uh, March 18, May 19, and March of 2020 as that same recurring character. He also made a cameo in the 2015 film Jurassic World, where he is seen holding two margaritas while the dinosaurs are set loose in the park. To be even more specific, the in Jurassic World, whenever the, the pterodactyls and the other flying dinosaurs are yes. coming into the main populated, like human-populated mm-hmm. portion of the park, uh, the the food courts and mm-hmm. everything else. Yes, he is seen He's jumping up from a Margaritaville, running from a Margaritaville with two margaritas in his hand, uh, which is fantastic. I mean, that was a great play. Uh, a lot of people, the scene goes by so quick, you yeah. don't really notice, but it's just fantastic that he's in that. Now, in 2017, uh, Buffett was the musical guest on the NCIS New Orleans episode Rogue Nation, playing the song "I Will Play for Gumbo." Uh, into <laughs> Wayne Pride's uh, or Scott Bakula's newly rebuilt bar. And in 2019, he had an extended cameo playing himself in the Harmony Corinne film The Beach Bum. It's awesome whenever you can play yourself in yeah. a multitude of things. Like, you really don't have to change or do anything no. different. You can just be yes. you uh, and, and get paid for it and be in movies and TV shows and everything else from doing that. So let's talk a little bit about the theater world. Uh, In 1994, Buffett began developing a musical based on Herman Wouk's 1965 novel Don't Stop the Carnival. Buffett wrote the music and lyrics for Wouk's where Wouk wrote the book for the show. Don't Stop the Carnival debuted in Miami, Florida in 1997 to negative reviews from critics. The show ran only for six weeks in Miami. It's because he didn't have David Fee to back him. That's true. He didn't have Fee or Hendrick. Escape to Margaritaville, a musical ran by, ran at the La Jolla Playhouse in San Diego from May 2017 to July 2017. The show then performed limited runs in New Orleans, Houston, Chicago, and was well-received by critics. The show features a book by Greg Garcia and Mike O'Malley and uses Buffett's classic songs, some of which he rewrote the lyrics in order to better fit the context of the story. 
The show began previews at the Marquee Theater on Broadway on February 16, 2018, and officially opened on March 15th under the direction of Tony winner Christopher Ashley. The Broadway production received mixed reviews from the New York critics and closed on July 1st after 29 previews and 124 regular performances. A national tour launched in Providence, Rhode Island in the fall of 2019. And that is where it gained a lot of success. New York, it's hard to make it. Right, and as, a, as a any story kind of like, show unless it's... A story like from Jimmy Buffett and about Margaritaville and all that, honestly, I could see... I've, I've been to double digits of Broadway musicals in my life, and the Broadway in me, the theater guy in me, knew that it would probably fail in New York, but the Buffett parrothead in me wants to do it. It just needs to be it at a different venue. It just needs to be venue. somewhere else. Yeah. It's just not a New York play. Now, and I don't you, think it was something that was done either to to be able to garner that type of yeah. of thing. This is like something, hey, y'all have fun with it. I had fun with it, this coming up with it. Y'all have fun with this it, playing fun. it. Yeah. And if you go and watch little snippets on YouTube, that cast is just having a blast. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it takes place in this. I wonder if you find interviews of them, like, just talking about uh, their experiences on yeah. it. And uh, compared to other shows that they yeah. have done. I'm sure there's tons of them on there. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll share a little snippet from uh, YouTube on our page for you to take a look at. Because uh, I really want to play anything in that show. I think it would be a cool musical. I think around here... It would sell like crazy. Maybe that's something to look into for for one of the. Yes, I think we should get one of the community. I think theaters we should get David Fee involved and, and Robert, and we'll do like this big, you know, out at the. the yeah, just a red light ten over here in his his camp Margaritaville campground, and and just build one, a little amphitheater one night only. One one weekend. One weekend only, paying homage to Jimmy Buffett. You know, I'd be down for That'd it. That'd be fun. Absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun. Uh, he did have a few business ventures, though. Uh, Buffett took advantage of the tropical island escapism lifestyle that fans of his music sought by launching several business ventures to sell his lifestyle to fans. And he sold it very well. Through, the, through, through this Margaritaville brand, Buffett licensed hotels, casinos, cruise experiences, restaurants, and bars, packaged foods, beverages, spirits, outdoor furniture, home goods, appliances, and apparel, and accessories live like the beach bum himself uh always cruising along searching for songs not a lawyer a thief or a banker but a son of a son a son of a son a son of a son of a sailor heck yeah in 1984 he and friend opened a t-shirt shop in gulf shores alabama so that would have been the first business venture just opening up a t-shirt shop in gulf shores 1985 they tried again in Key West because it failed in Alabama, expanding it to what became Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville in 1987. Wow. Chain opened restaurants. So Margaritaville started as a shirt stand. Yeah, a shirt shack in Key West. <laughs> and then became the restaurant tycoon that it is today. That makes you wonder if we could get some Legend Studios or some cocky top stuff going to... I mean, or is the lady somewhere. just a few minutes ago, Viva La Brian. Viva La Brian. I like that. The chain opened restaurants under the Margaritaville and Landshark Bar and Grill names in locations including Atlantic City, New Orleans, Nashville, Turks and Caicos, Las Vegas, Jamaica, Orlando, Baltimore, and the Cayman Islands. Buffett previously owned the Cheeseburger and Paradise restaurant chain, which was a little more 
down. It was like Margaritaville served like, you know, grilled chicken and steaks and stuff right. like that. And this was more like bar food and burgers. Yeah. Uh, but it did not work. Uh, he partnered, though, with that, with Bloomin' Brands. Uh, it was sold to Luby's for $11 million in 2012 and shut down in 2020. Luby's is an old cafe-style restaurant. Very rare to find these days. I was curious. I was going to ask, In what the exactly there is a There used to be Luby's. one in Morristown. I, and I, it was massive. This massive cafe. Some of the best roast beef I'd ever eaten. Okay. All colors of jello for kids. And they had the little sword cocktail things. And, you know, you'd finish uh-huh. your jello and you and your brother would fight at the table with the little swords. <laughs> uh, wow. And Luby's is just not around anymore yeah i thought for a second that this was a, a typo like it was a, a wikipedia <laughs> yeah. like mistake and it should have been ruby no. tuesdays or shortened rubies or whatever old cafe that's crazy that's that's awesome i huh and then of course they all just wound up going the way of the dodo yeah craziness uh, switching over to record labels uh, he actually in 1992 he launched the Margaritaville records with distribution through MCA records his MCA record deal ended in 1996 and then in 1999 he started mailboat records to release live albums so basically he just started turning out his own stuff under his own record label um, I don't think he actually ever carried anyone or brought anyone else in under the label uh, it was just a way for him to bypass the record companies and being mm-hmm. able to get his own stuff out without having to pay any of them. Uh, getting into some of the other sponsorships and stuff like that, Buffett sought and received a concert sponsorship from Corona. The partnership was credited for increasing the sales of the brand, and after deciding that he wanted his own beer brand, in 2006 he partnered with Anheuser-Busch to brew Landshark Lager, now one of the Anheuser-Busch brands. So I love a land shark and lime, man. Didn't they recently? Is that one of the ones that Anheuser Busch sold out? I think they are trying to sell it. Because I I remember you saying that uh, oh. in light of all the stuff going down with yeah Anheuser Busch and stuff like that, that they were selling off a lot of their IPs. Yeah. I wonder if the land uh, shark is one of those that is being sold off. Uh, continuing on in 2015. Or excuse me, 2013, Buffett partnered with the Resorts Casino Hotel in Atlantic City, New Jersey to open the $35 million Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville-themed entertainment complex at the hotel, which included, of course, a Margaritaville restaurant with a giant blender and tiki bar, a Landshark bar and grill, and the 5 o'clock somewhere bar, a coffee shop, a retail store, and a gaming area with 12 Margaritaville-themed table games, as well as 160 slot machines. The Margaritaville Casino and Restaurant in Biloxi, Mississippi licensed the name from Buffett, and it was in operation from May 2012 to September 2014, and plans to bring a Buffett-themed casino to Biloxi had been in the process at that time since around 2000. Huh. Do you think, because we're supposed to be getting a casino, 407. Right. Once the Smokies move back to Knoxville. Yeah. And I know Vegas is a big thing, but do you think the casino generation is dead or dying? Kind of over with? Because when I think of like the casino generation, I think of like Elvis boomers and boomers yeah. and the Godfather and that era. 
you know, forties to like the seventies and eighties. Yeah, since because everything has made so been made so accessible via electronics, like mm-hmm. you're being able to, like with us now, you know, we can place bets on our mobile phone through BetMGM or mm-hmm. DraftKings or whatever, depending on what state you're in, and the legalities. And of some course, mobile of it. games you can win money. Yeah, and there's even just regular slot machines just on your phone to where you can drop money in, and then, I mean, I, my mother-in-law is one of those people that does that, and I, if she does ever listen to one of these things, stop doing that. <laughs> You're just doing nothing but, but pissing money away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like finding those coin funnels. Oh, which which thing rolls faster, a penny, a you quarter, a nickel, or a dime? difficult live? AI is going to make the odds way worse. Oh, it's all can it would it regardless. It's electronically controlled. Like I mean, it's one of those things where they give up enough money every once in a while just to make sure that that you know people keep coming back to them. But it's all programmable. It's not like it's a situation where it's full on just randomness Mm -hmm. on some of those things. Like even even things like a roulette wheel. On a phone, or are nah. not on a phone, even a like computer. in in the in the 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 oh live live yeah. yeah like even those things have an element of being able to be controlled to a certain extent like there are things in there to where you know it's going to break and start slowing it down is it going to be a lot more like one hundred percent determinate that it's going to land on something that nobody bet on no is there the possibility yes. Sure. With the advancement in technologies and stuff like that, I'm sure that there's a roulette wheel that can be built right now to where if someone knew exactly what the the pattern, quote-unquote, would be, that they'd be able to clean up. But mm-hmm. there's also the possibility that that can always be augmented even on the fly so it could it could get changed. Mm-hmm. It, it just The gambling in that aspect, whenever it comes to actual like tabletop games and stuff like that, I'm not a huge fan of gambling on. I would rather take bets on stuff that I that someone really has very very little chance of the outcome of. Yeah, like a football game. Like an individual, yeah, uh, a sports game. Yeah, where it's like okay, and a team sports game. It can't be an individual. Like I'm not going to bet on a boxing match or a UFC fight or something Mm -hmm. like that because that has the capability of being influenced way too much by an individual. Sports teams, though, however, mm-hmm. and mainly predominantly football, you've got so many people that are uh, would be a part of that or that would have to be included and be a part of that that is way yeah. less likely that someone could, could affect the outcome mm-hmm. in that manner. So those are the only types of things that, that I do any kind of gambling on yeah. personally. But uh, – the getting kind of back into your not being on too much of a tangent the the stuff that's coming out here for the uh um the casino i think the casino setting in and of itself is is not the forefront yeah it is being set up more as a venue for people to come in but then you have a you have casino a at casino. the venue yeah okay i got gotcha. you and that's my thought process it's like Whenever people say they're going over to Harris, most of the time whenever people say they're going over to Harris, I think they're going over for a concert. Yeah. Over in Cherokee. Yeah. Oh, who's playing? 
Oh no, we're going to the casino. Oh, okay, yeah. sure, have fun. Because like I think Gaffigan comes there twice. A yeah, year. but my thought process was, oh, they're going to see a show over there. There's yeah. a comedian or, or a musician, yeah. a band, whatever is going over there to play. I don't think about it as as someone going over to. Now, if you like where um, my wife and her family's from in the Midwest, mm-hmm. I mean, most everything is centralized around the Mississippi River. And you've got all kinds of like gambling boats and everything mm-hmm. else that go up and down the river and all that stuff between Illinois and Iowa and everything else. And it's like, oh, I'm going down to the river boat. Oh, okay, you're going to gamble. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, you know, like I said, you know, I'm going to the casino. Oh, okay, who are you going to see? That sort of <laughs> thing. I think the casino is more taking its place as a venue of... Uh, uh, like concert series, what kind of concert series is it? Is it a stadium concert series? Is it an arena concert series? Is it a uh, uh, a casino concert mm-hmm. series? A residency ba- sort of you know scenario or whatever that sort of thing. So cool. So from May eighth, two thousand nine, through January fifth, two thousand ten, uh, in the sports world, the home stadium of the Miami Dolphins, now called Hard Rock Stadium was named Landshark Stadium, pursuant of an eight-month naming rights deal. Buffett also wrote new lyrics for the team to his 1979 song, Fins, which is played during Dolphins' home games. Fins to the left, fins to, to the right. right. The only game in town. As a baseball fan, Buffett was part of the two minor, minor league teams, the Miami-Fort Myers Miracle, from 1989 to part owner, that is. Right. Uh, to 2014 and the Madison Black Wolf from 1996 to 2000. That's a badass team team name. Yeah, the Black Wolf. The Black Wolves. Because I know that he did that big uh, Finley live two day concert that they have an album for out there. Uh, and I know you can download it on iTunes. Uh, Jimmy Buffett's live in Fenway. Uh, Finn, F-I-N, way. He called it right. the Finway concert. And uh, it's it's great stuff. Uh, in the video game world, which baffling to talk about with Jimmy Buffett. Right. In 2012, a Margaritaville online game was released by THQ for Facebook. The game was discontinued two years later. In 2016, though, Buffett did partner with Fun Plus to develop a new Margaritaville game. And I don't think it ever got off the ground. Uh, yeah, it's not one that you that you have really seen at any point in time. Now, this is where I want to retire. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> in For 2017, sure. Latitude Margaritaville, a 3,900-home, $1 billion retirement village near Interstate 95 in Daytona Beach, Florida, was announced by Buffett in partnership with Mento Group. The partnership announced similar retirement communities on Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, also in 2017, and in Panama City Beach, Florida in 2021. Man, looking forward to retirement, I think I might have to go ahead and try to get on a waiting list. For that uh, Hilton Head one? For any of them, honestly. I really don't care. I don't care It can be any of them. But just to live in a... A Jimmy uh, Buffett, Jimmy Buffett inspired, inspired retirement retirement community. community. That would be fantastic. <laughs> just just thinking for for a quick moment, uh, some of Jimmy Buffett's more popular songs, mm-hmm. including ones in the Big Eight, mm-hmm. uh, and then 
that thought process into a retirement community. <laughs> Senior swingers. Senior swingers. Lord, why don't we get drunk? There you go. Wait 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if lasting more than four hours, consult a physician. Uh, if margaritas lasting longer than four hours. Yeah, yeah if margaritas are lasting longer than four hours. Uh, now you mentioned earlier that he did uh, he did partake in the uh, the electric lettuce, Beelzebub's broccoli, uh, uh, yes, the but jazz cabbage at, for a little while. At one point in time, yes, yes, old cannabis. Yes, in September 2018, he teamed with Wrigley Company heir William Wrigley Jr. Uh, the second Sutera Holdings license or to license the Coral Reefer brand marijuana. Uh, which launched in April of 2019. While he himself had quit consumption of it, his he's still going to make money. On he's it. still going <laughs> to be able to make some money off of it, and that's something that's actually really interesting. Uh, and the fact that he's another person that is a celebrity that has developed or is partnered with, or in some form has connections with either medicinal or mm-hmm. recreational or just just cannabis production or whatever in general mm-hmm. um some names including um Snoop uh, Jaleel White Snoop Dogg of course uh but um uh Urkel actor yeah Jaleel White Jaleel White uh came up or was partnered with Snoop Dogg to come mm-hmm. up with the purple Urkel uh of course Snoop Dogg having all of his many brands Willie Nelson with all of his different ones um uh, Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd partnered mm-hmm. together with theirs. Um, there's so many different ones. Uh, um, Jason Smith yeah. or, or Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, and Jason Mewes. Yeah. Um, with theirs, I mean, there's just so there's, yeah, many different people that have gotten. gotten I've, I've never it. been to one, but from what I hear, uh, these dispensaries that are popping up and like where it's become legal. Oh yeah, uh, uh, it's like literally they say it's like Shangri La. It's just the way that Bucky's has a beef jerky wall of different. This is what it looks like. In from my experience, because I have been into a couple of dispensaries in mm-hmm. the state of Illinois, which Illinois is not as far along as say California, yeah. uh, West Coast um, stuff like that. Which I'm sure uh, in Colorado, West Coast stuff like that. Yeah. There are venues to where you can go to, and it is that type of yeah. stuff. Um, but for the the areas to where everything is still a lot more controlled, mm. it's it's more of a situation to where you can see everything that they've got in, um, uh, like on an online menu. Oh, okay. Or you can go in and you can see some representation of a few things. But for the most part, it is a situation to where everything is behind a closed and locked door. Oh. And have you ever gone to, um, have you ever seen it like the Walmart service desk whenever they need to get changed? There's like this little box on the wall and they open it up and pass stuff through the little box. Yeah. The the main room is like locked off. That way people can't get into it or whatever. Like going across the counter or whatnot. It's like that. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, you've got this person. You're instead of bartender, it's a bud tender. Yeah. And you go up and you're like, okay, this is what I'm looking to get. I need X Y Z 
this strain, this whatever, and they're like, okay, and they click, 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 start getting everything entered in onto the computer, and then, and then it like spits out a ticket like at a restaurant to the people in the back, and then they go through and pull everything wow. together, and then uh, come up and like knock on the thing, and that person goes over and they go grab whatever that combination, whatever your order is, and then make sure and get everything rung up, and you get everything rang in if you feel generous enough to give your bud tender a tip for helping you out because i mean a lot of people will go in and it's like well i need something for depression and and i have a a appetite deficiency okay okay well this is the type of stuff that you need here are the different ones that you can choose from uh this one is going to make you have these feelings this one is going to make you have these feelings this one has potentially these side effects whatever Okay, well, we'll get it dialed in and we'll figure out exactly which one is going to be most beneficial to you and then go from there. So it's like, oh, okay, they helped you figure that all out. Yeah. Here, here's your five bucks or whatever. Thanks for, you know, helping me go through that stuff. Um, but the weirdest thing, especially for people that have not been into one of those types of places, especially if they're coming from a place to where it has not been legalized in any capacity is the fact that you usually have a police officer of some sort standing there at the front door to go into the place. So it's a situation where most people, they'll instantly be like, uh... Ha- have I'm going to get like, tackled when I walk out of here. Like, yeah. It's a trap. Yeah, this is, an, this is a form of entrapment. Um, on a visit uh, to some family, stuff like that, because my wife and I have gotten some gummies and stuff like yeah. that in different places, uh, helps with sleeping and stuff mm. like that, insomnia, which she is uh, unfortunately very prone to not being able to sleep, was a situation to where uh, I forgot, had been spending some time with some family and stuff like that, with well, some of her family out in the, the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and we're driving back and happened to be coming through uh, Illinois, and we stopped to be able to grab a few of those, and I forgot to have my pocket knife. Just, you know, the the clip of it was sticking out, and he noticed it, and he's like, hey, man, just want to let you know that uh, go put that before you get too much further. I was yeah. like, oh, oh, cool, thanks, appreciate it, man. He's like, all right, cool, no, just so it's watching security. out for you. Yeah, it's just for security yeah. purposes. That's the only reason they're there. Um so, yeah, it was a situation where he opened the door for us. We walked in. Uh, you, of course, have to show your identification mm-hmm. to someone that's, like, there's a staging center before you actually go into the main oh, okay. showroom floor. And in that staging center area, um, they can sell some stuff like uh, uh, swag, T-shirts, ah. uh, um reusable bags koozies uh, koozies hats things like that Um, but that's where you usually will get your ID checked and everything else and they do the scanners and or have the scanners or whatever Um, scan your ID make sure everything's legit and then you wind up being able to go through the door and then you go into what would be the main sales area Um, some areas like I said they do have some different products and stuff on display um like showing what would be some pre-rolled things or or other paraphernalia uh devices Just and like things like that but like cigar smoke shop or alcohol yeah store. basically yeah wow yeah and then like i said you just go through this process and it's it's fairly easy process but you definitely from if you are going in from an area that's 
not got anything like that. That like that I, level my, of I would probably be very wide-eyed. Yeah, that Tennessee, level of paranoia. Not, yeah, that level of paranoia anyway is, in Tennessee yet. is definitely there uh, to try to have to overcome. Yeah. Um, but continuing on, uh, looking into the 1980s, Buffett became friends with Warren Buffett uh, and a shareholder in Berkshire Hathaway, increasing his stake over the years. And they called each other Cousin Jimmy and Uncle Warren, although they were not related. That's funny. So <laughs> Cousin Jimmy and Cousin Jimmy Buffett and Uncle Warren Buffett, even though there's no relations, actually wound up uh, hanging out a little bit. And Jimmy Buffett, with all the money that he had made, of course, investing um, with Warren Buffett in the Berkshire Hathaway, um, being able to create a little bit of money. <coughs> and I was not aware of all of this, but uh, was a very, very pronounced in, in charity work. Like, I mean, yeah. I know that there have been some other things that he had uh, uh, lobbied for and stuff like that of course being um, a member of the Democratic Party and doing some fundraisers and stuff like that uh, but I didn't know that it had gone as far as to well I mean like this in 1981 year I was born the Save the Manatee Club a 501c which is a nonprofit, was founded by Buffett and former Florida Governor Bob Graham and in 1986, Buffett began working to introduce the Save the Manatee license plate, which I remember the Save the Manatee license plates out of Florida, uh, featuring an image of a West Indian manatee with proceeds going to the Save the Manatee Club. Buffett was also a major donor to the Gulf Specimen Marine Laboratory, and in 1987, Buffett lobbied for the reauthorization of the Endangered Species Act of 1973. So he was a huge advocate of conservation. I mean, That's even awesome. from an early time, a huge advocate for conservation, specifically for endangered species. I mean, because he basically, uh, this is saying that in 87, he's like, bro, y'all got to go back in and get this thing rewrote, rewritten because things have updated. We're and losing and things. Yeah, we need to change some stuff. Well, I remember... Uh, the uh, extinction of the dodo bird was a massive thing we studied when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, "Oh man, that's crazy! It must have taken years, you know, thousands of years for this thing to become extinct." And between then and now, I have now witnessed three to four things extinct. Become extinct, yeah. Like gone. Like something uh, I once saw in a zoo, the, uh, the one s- type of of like Tasmanian dog yeah. or whatever. Yeah, the uh, white rhino. The white rhino has now has happened in our lifetime. Yep, and I saw one once. Was one was at at a zoo. You know, Knoxville Zoo used to have one when I was a kid. It was one of the last ones standing, and and this goes back to the what we were talking about earlier with the Baskins and yeah. and Joe Exotic and stuff like that, and that the. The other family, uh, the the partners that came in yeah. later on, um, are now, you know, fighting to keep providing them alive. all this stuff, and they're just fighting to try to keep these yeah. animals alive. And it seems like the only reason that they would bring anything in is as a rescue. But I don't know. It it just those types of places are are. 
it's it's a hard balance. It's yeah. a hard balance because, like you said, they they don't want to actively have these things as pets, but they can't release them back out into the wild be because they would be hunted and killed. Yeah. Um. I mean, there are certain species of like elephants and things that are gra- growing dangerously close. Yes. And and one of those. Well, I can't say one of those. It's it's a. A thought-provoking scenario, just in general, in the fact that how many of these things have potentially evolved? They didn't just like completely die off. That was just yeah. that version of it, but it has evolved into something else. Or, you know, at one point in time, oh, there was the white rhino, mm-hmm. but then because of environmental whatever, it evolved into having the white rhino and black rhino and then black rhino just became what the most adapted just became a rhino version yeah. of whatever and then that other one just faded out yeah i mean it did maybe it went into hiding and a possibility i mean it's like what we were talking about with the uh was it episode two uh, as part of the Wild Man series, we were talking three. about, uh, or three, um, yeah. talking about the um, the guy that went on the Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. who was going down into the Congo looking for uh, a, a dinosaur. Yeah. Br- yeah brontosaurus. The brontosaurus that's still supposedly living down in the Congo. I mean, so, it, or is this a situation to where the, the hollow earth has have all of these different things just progressively is that what noah's ark actually is is hollow earth that all these different things progressively have been traveling or have been transported down to hollow earth as a means of quote-unquote survival but on this level this outer crust level Hmm. doesn't exist anymore or or is the whole new thing that I've been seeing as of late is that everything that is the earth or everything that we know of as the earth is actually encompassed in what would be this ice wall all okay. the way around. And then it, it, it's almost like saying that, that take that pin head, okay. the, the cap of that pin, that everything that we know as as what is earth is encapsulated on the cap of that pen okay but what earth actually is is take that pen and set it on top of that candle and then the the candle lid is actually what earth all is but there's just that ice wall that completely surrounds it that people mistake as what would be the north or south pole and there's this just whole other external past that and any kind of images that we've seen as the earth or as the globe as a whole are falsely produced images hmm. but that's a, a, a completely whole nother episode getting off on this tangent from talking about Jimmy Buffett but um, uh, it's amazing how, how some of these topics like talking about con- con- conservation yeah uh, changes the conversation. Yes, it does. Over to to so many different things. Uh, but getting back to Jimmy Buffett, not Warren Buffett, who he was apparently friends with and had nicknames for, but were not related. 
getting into some charity performances. That's right. He was big in charity. Buffett enjoyed playing for U.S. troops. He played the Guantanamo Bay Naval Base in G-Bay. 2002. Yeah. Buffett performed at several hurricane relief concerts, including the Surviving the Storm Hurricane Relief Concert in November of 2004, which raised funds to support relief efforts for the four major hurricanes of the year, Charlie, Francis, Ivan, and Jean. Jean. Yep. And a hurricane relief concert in November 2017 with Kenny Chesney and Toby Keith. In January 2008, Buffett performed a concert in Hong Kong that raised funds for the Foreign Correspondence Club charity fund to support needy children. On July 11, 2010, along with Jesse Winchester and Alan Toussaint, Buffett, a Gulf Coast native, performed a free concert for 35,000 people on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama to draw tourism to the area in the aftermath of the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Buffett changed some of the lyrics of the songs in reference to environmental disaster. Deepwater Horizon oil spill. I definitely remember that one. I mean, that's where a lot of those um, commercials come from as far as the Dawn commercials and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's doing all of of that cleanup is doing that stuff. Um, There's something to say about coastal disasters and just having someone who has that coastal rock yeah sound it's so i started off this saying that that doing the podcast is therapeutic mm-hmm. in a sense i mean it allows you to to express and, mm-hmm. and things like that and even some things like i've gotten off my chest and at some point in time during some of these podcasts i'll probably say some stuff that nobody has ever heard before uttered out of my mouth as a form of therapy potentially uh and maybe some really shocking and surprising things yeah. to some people but his music is therapeutic absolutely 100% therapeutic. I mean, if you're feeling negative, even if you are feeling negative, you can go and listen to a song like Come Monday, which was a song that was saved his life. written and saved his life. And it's over overall arcing, it's, it's a fairly sad song, but just the way the, the, the progression of the melody, the, the thought-provoking of it, the... the being able to draw simulations and everything else is just very therapeutic um and 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 getting into the fun and the upbeat things i mean if you're on a coastal area and you've just experienced all these things and that's the stuff that you know that if you live on a coast these are the the negatives that you're going to have to deal with on a regular basis and me as someone who is a firm believer in balance, you're going to need something on the opposite end, on the happy end, to be able to counterbalance that out. And this man, without a doubt, Absolutely. 100%, was able to embody that with his music, with his attitude, with his lifestyle, with his antics and everything else to 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 bring relief and, and if nothing else, to... And what it's saying take here, just to, off of it. to take people's mind off of it, and to try to get people to come back yes. to that area that had been ravished by 
the weather and everything mm-hmm. else. I mean, a free concert for 35,000 people. Hey, you want to go see Jimmy Buffett? Let's drive down to Gulf Shores. It's a free concert. Why not? Yeah. And while you're there, you're going to be eating all kinds of stuff, going to the different restaurants. Helping the local economy. Helping the local economy. Fantastic human being. And the, the more information that we wind up. And to be honest, I don't want to make this too much of an attack on on certain aspects, but a vast majority of people who were upset that he died sing his songs at karaoke, have all of his albums, blah, blah, blah would have disagreed with him on a lot of aspects. Well, one, because of his openness as being affiliated with a specific... With a specific political Political party. party. Yeah, he's very open about that. That alone, these days especially, is enough to make other people cancel you. That's the big thing today. It's like, you're a different party? I'm I'm about to say something... Why would you say... Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? Yeah. I'm glad he passed away before he could get canceled. Oh, I know. Because that's the thing. Is he, because if he at any point in time, mouth? if he would have said, come out and said something against Republican Party mm-hmm. in any capacity, they would have done anything and everything in their power in this era. To, to bury him. Yeah. And, and I know, it's, I mean, I know it, it was basically skin cancer yeah. that done it, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> the, the climate of everything how how could you go as someone who is so free spirited full of life and everything else coming up in the 1970s as a young adult becoming an adult and living in and seeing the the pardon my language but just straight up bullshit that yes. that this world has turned into at this point and still kept his positive and still kept that positive upbeat the Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let's just help Breathe people. in, breathe out, move on. Yeah. I love it. Love Jimmy Buffett for that reason. Oh. Trying to wrap this up uh, before we start actually getting emotional <laughs> yeah. in this situation. Uh, after the 2010 Haiti earthquake, Buffett brought tents via his seaplane to donate to those who lost their homes. In the aftermath of Hurricane Irma, Buffett sent private planes to help ferry supplies and gave a benefit concert in Gustavia St. Bartholomew. And honestly, that looks like it's getting into the, the end of the different charities and stuff like that, that, that and disaster reliefs that, that he, he was a part of and, and helped with. Uh, and, and so that way we're not really selling you short and, and coming up on a weird conclusion to this episode. Um, I wanted to just switch over and go through a few quotes yeah. um, to, to not only ponder, but just to, to see if they can, if they can be used in, in your day-to-day um, some things from Mr. Buffett. One of the Number one things, uh, and this first one I'm going to share with you is it takes no more time to see the good side of life than the bad. That's true. I mean, if we're going to start off with some profound stuff, let's let's go ahead and, and start with this one. It takes no more time to see the good side of life than the bad. If you looked at any scenario and the first thing that your brain went to was a negative thought, 
why not have taken that few seconds and see what, or even a couple more seconds and see what, where's the positive in mm-hmm. it? Uh, Monty Python, always look on the bright side of life. Y- it, it's not <laughs> difficult to do. It's not. It, I, I think it, it, it requires, I mean, I know the saying, it requires more muscles to frown. I think it requires more effort to find the negative in stuff than it does to find the positive. It also, and excuse my French, takes more work to be a dick than it does just to generally be kind to people. Yeah. Uh, looking, look to the good things in life. These words of wisdom fit equally well in the sunshine of summer or during the somber winter months. Even in the darkest of moments, there's always a bright side. And that's part of that. Always look on the bright side of life, man. Number two, quitting doesn't enter my mind. Like, how you don't often? Don't even let it enter your mind. You ain't gonna be tempted by it. Right. Jimmy Buffett never quit on July 2nd, 2023, not very long ago, just a few short months. He was recording Crashing the Show of his friend and Coral Reefer band member, Mac McAnally. Mac was playing and Jimmy just walked up on the stage to cheers from the crowd. Mac often does cover versions of Jimmy's hit songs. So he didn't even know he was going to be there and dude just like, you know what? I want to go out and, hey. This let's, is my buddy. This is my buddy. Let's go. Let's go jam out for a few minutes. Uh, this is one that I probably need to. Actually, both of us need to keep in mind quite often. And moderation is the key. So I work a certain amount of time, and then I take a certain amount of time off. Yeah. <laughs> my wife would agree with that one. <laughs> uh, mine would too. <laughs> Um, and it's a thing to where we get so inundated uh, yeah. because we have so many things that we enjoy doing as far as work that it doesn't yeah. seem like work. The This being it is one work. of those things. It is work, but it's, it's fun. It's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like work. I mean, here it is now. We're two hours or more into <laughs> into exactly. a recording even though we had to take a break or whatever to go yeah. help downstairs and that's something else guys i don't know if you if this is your first time listening we are recording live mm-hmm. up in the loft above our one of our busiest if not the busiest location out of all four of the locations of tennessee legend distillery so there is definitely the possibility on a regular basis that you are going to hear the ins and outs and the daily operations and workings of the tasting room and distillery in and of itself, including the fact that we had to pause the recording today yes, and stop did. ourselves to head down and help the folks out there in the front to be able to, to get some business taken care of at that point. But yeah, we do need to remember, uh, and everybody needs to remember, that moderation is the key. So make sure and take a little bit of time off for yourself. Mm. One of my favorites, one of my favorite lyrical, or one of my favorite lines as far as Jimmy Buffett lyrics um, is concerned, it's those changes in attitude or changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes. Nothing remains quite the same. With all of our running and all of our cunning, if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. <laughs> that. There's really not much to add to that. I mean, if you just sit there and break that down, you've you got to take a minute to, to get away from what the norm is. I mean, if you want to uh, look at this on a quote-unquote, not necessarily philosophical level, but break it down into its meaning, not the exact words, mm-hmm. is is you got to break out of your norm every once in a while or it's 
that monotony is going to become a poison, basically. Mm-hmm. And with everything that's going on, with all the negative shit that can happen to you, sorry again for the language, with everything that's going on in the world, with all the crap that's going on in the world, you got to take a second and laugh and mm-hmm. find the lighter and find the funny and stuff because if you don't, you're going to go crazy. I mean, we can take that line in its literal sense that mm-hmm. if you don't, if it, if we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. And you can't take everything so serious. Not going as far as why so serious, yeah. but, you know, I mean, get out of the norm, don't fall into a rut, and... And look on the bright side of life, Absolutely. man. Moving on. Go fast enough to get there, but slow enough to see. Travel see. quick enough to get to your destination, but go slow enough to see the sights along the way. We often forget these words of wisdom as we hurry through our lives, so slow down and enjoy life on the way. I love that. Yeah, I mean, make sure you get there. I mean, don't lollygag. But also, you don't be lazy. But also, don't don't forget, like you said, to take so, time. Don't forget to stop and smell the roses. Don't life forget moves to pretty fast, right? If you don't look up, you're, you're gonna, gonna miss, miss it. Uh, of course, this one came uh, to be a mantra that was uh, uttered. Who he was saying uh, by his uh, the person who wrote this article, who was a huge parrothead. And to this day, everyone in our friend group uses the same mantra mantra when life get, gets difficult. Uh, and this came out of Hurricane Katrina, part of the Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. effort, that, or relief effort that he was a part of, uh, is to breathe in, breathe out, move on. Life smacks you. Take a second. Take a dig, big, deep breath in. Let it go. And then move forward. Uh, and... That it, it that's one that I've kept in my brain a lot here recently too is you can only control so much what you can control do your best to take mm-hmm. care of it but yeah. if you can't just don't let it weigh on you and it's so easy to say like me and my wife say that to each other all the time like like okay you're you're stressed you're nervous you're angry about something which one of those things can you control right which one of those things can't you well the a b and c i can't then that's out of your control right but it's so easy to say it to someone else but when you're in the middle of it oh i 100 percent agree (laughs) and then someone else tells you you're like you know what don't use my own words against me right (laughs) for sure do as i say not as i do uh life is much more manageable when thought of as a scavenger hunt as opposed to a surprise party. Wow. I love that one. Life is much more manageable when thought of as a scavenger hunt as opposed to as a surprise party. So basically, you know what you're after. It's just how do you go about getting it as opposed to living your life anxious not knowing what's going to happen what's yeah what's going to happen yeah i like that uh be yourself be pleasant play hard and have no regrets so don't try to put on a front 
but don't be a, a like you said earlier don't be a dick don't be a dick but be yourself yeah um play hard have fun and don't leave any regrets in this life the or Stanley says in the office live fat drive fast leave a sexy corpse <laughs> <laughs> that's it uh in this instance, uh, saying the reigning takeaway from this quote is to remain genuine and be nice. That's not a difficult ask. No. Number nine, if there's a heaven for me, I'm sure it has a beach attached. And with the the number of memes, mm-hmm. uh, uh, tributes, everything, of course... Yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that whatever heaven, whatever heaven there is for for Jimmy Buffett, there are definitely beaches, boats, ballads, and bars. Absolutely, I think God's a parrot head. Oh, for sure. Um, he wouldn't have let him get as far as he did and be as successful as he did if he wasn't. If that wasn't the case. And and I'd have to agree with you on that. Um, and I don't know if you noticed or not, but that was actually a, a, the name of a compendium release from Jimmy Buffett. God is a parrot head? No, Beaches, Boats, Ballads, oh. and Bars. <laughs> I was like, that was oh, a four I disc, know that. <laughs> no, that was a four-disc set. But however, I, I think you just gave me an idea for a, a new song. God is a, God parrot, is a parrot head. Oh, yeah. Uh, finally, take it all in. It's as big as it seems. Count all your blessings. Remember your dreams. Aye. Never stop dreaming. Count the blessings along the way, and your cup will remain full. One last quote for the road. If life gives you limes, make margaritas. However, please don't drink and drive. And are you planning a margarita gatherings with your friends to celebrate Jimmy's passings? After much thought on the subject, we're pretty sure he'd rather go out with a party than have a bunch of people sitting around being sad. So put on your flowered shirt and give a grand time. Oh, yeah. oh not much else to say. No. Um, right now, I just really want to turn on the the old iTunes or whatever and listen to Jimmy Buffett on repeat. Let me just listen to Jimmy Buffett on repeat. On shuffle. Uh, the the day that it happened. Um, I found myself literally just I went to mm-hmm. the next day uh, the Pandora radio yeah. and just Jimmy Buffett radio and just let nothing but different Jimmy Buffett songs play and it's like I, I've heard these songs thousands of yeah. times before as the, the, the title of the album songs you know by heart the big eight plus a few of the other songs it's like I don't care if they play on repeat. I don't. I. They don't even have to shuffle. I'll sit here and listen to changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes, five times yeah, before no I even change over to something else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, man. It's it's one of those. This one sucks. It does. Uh, uh, we lost Bob Barker, Jimmy oh. Buffett, and the the lead singer for Sm- I can't think of his name. If, Y'all know it. I mean, my apologies to the family and everything else um, for for not being considerate enough to have looked up his his name again before doing this. I just never said his this name. This recording, but uh, I always called him Smash Mouth. Right, that the Smash Mouth. That's Smash the guy. Mouth, you know, that's the guy. Um, but to have lost, like we started off the episode. I mean, these were all staples. 
of our yes. childhood growing up and the more you see these different names these different people in that age group um i mean well, all I mean, four of the golden girls are now gone yeah the the jimmy buffett's gone bob barker what would have been you know oh I don't feel good. I'm going to stay home from school today. You got to stay home and watch The Price is Right and stuff like that. Absolutely. All of these different people that were a major part of our... The Green Ranger's dead. Yeah. Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, dead. From the animated series, yeah. Yeah. Like, this past year is just... And that's, that's the thing that sucks about it, I think, deep down to its core, is we start thinking about our own mortality. So much more. So much more. Um, and I know you recently had one that you had to deal with that was yeah. very close to age with you. Um, there's a family member. With Matt. Yeah. Um, and a few years back, and you know this person, Mark mm-hmm. McGinley. Um, rest his soul. Uh, very, very prominent figure in the, the local theater uh, seen here mm-hmm. in both uh, Morristown, Maryville, uh, here in Sevier County. Uh, the person who taught me how to juggle, uh, be able to juggle clubs and yeah. stuff like that. Um, fencing taught me how yeah. to fence. I mean, this man had a lot of influence over a lot of people, but he was only a year older than me. And it's those types of things whenever you see these people pass or hear these people passing and stuff like that. Not only these prominent social figures no, that you remember as part of your childhood, but these actual people that were that you've reached out and touched at some point in time mm-hmm. in your life have have passed and it just man and, and the fact now that we've got uh, an extended family member in terms of uh, Patricia, one of our better salespeople, been with us for quite a few years, and her daughter actually worked for the company at one point in time, is on her second bout with cancer. This has been a very therapeutic episode. Very. Very therapeutic. Very. I, I don't think there's going to be a good stop or definitive stop to this episode. Um, so before we wind up getting on any other kind of tangent, I uh, just want to take a minute to go ahead and remind you guys, uh, if you are going to be, or you do want to listen to, of course, any of our other episodes, uh, we are now on episode number eight, seven, eight, somewhere around Something in there like that, with yeah. this one. Uh, make sure and go all the way back to episode number one. Everything can be found on Podbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find these on Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcasts. We're on all the main or yes. the major uh, outlets for podcasts. Also, don't forget, uh, anytime you have any kind of questions or if you want to submit answers to any of the questions that we've got, uh, that reminds me, for this one, we have not uh, given any kind of call to action for um for emailing in to be able to get a swag pack uh the first person to email tld t-u-b-e tld t-u-b-e tld tube 23 it's the number 23 at gmail.com your favorite jimmy buffett song we'll get a swag pack mailed out to it. yes and for this one just because it is jimmy buffett um uh, I am going to, just because of the number of people that don't know who Jimmy Buffett is, I'm going to try to go find a CD 
that is the big eight i'm going to try to find the the songs you know by heart album to to give away to someone who is not who is not familiar with jimmy buffett yes um but yes uh like tyler said or opie like opie said um Email us at tldtube23 at gmail.com. Your favorite Jimmy Buffett song to get a Tennessee Legend Distillery swag pack. And if you know somebody who has never heard of Jimmy Buffett, if you go ahead and let us know in that email, your person that does not know who Jimmy Buffett is, we will get them a copy of the Songs You Know by Heart album. Yes. Uh, Because... Everyone should know who Jimmy Buffett is and should listen to to the the, the great lyricist and, and therapist um, that is Jimmy Buffett. Well, guys, uh, some other quick reminders before we wrap this one up. Like uh, Opie said, um, don't forget to send us that at tldtube23 at gmail.com. Also, plenty of opportunities. We have not gotten any submissions on any of our other calls to action on any of the other episodes of the Between Two Barrels podcast. So there are right now quite a few swag packs that could be given out as long as you answer our call to action, which means you are going to have to listen to the podcast pretty much in its entirety to be able to figure out where that call to action is because they're not always at the very end of the Mm. podcast. So you're going to have to listen to those to check out and see where those are to be able to get your chance to win one of those prize packs. Not only that, but of course, as always, don't forget to go to our Newport Highway location on Facebook, Tennessee Legend Distillery, Newport Highway location. We are still trying to reach that magical 10,000 followers on there. Once we do, we are, of course, going to be giving away that uh, prize pack, that Margaritaville prize pack right now valued at around a thousand dollars that's a couple of nights stay at the margaritaville island hotel in pigeon forge there at around traffic light number three a tld swag pack as well as gift certificate for tennessee legend distillery merchandise and products as well as a gift certificate from gatlinburg brewing company located right next door to us here at the 870 winfield dunn parkway location beyond that opie you got anything else you want to drop in Oh, long live Jimmy Buffett. Absolutely, guys. On behalf of Opie, I'm Brian, and we will see you next time on our next episode of Between Two Barrels. Folks, once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode of Between Two Barrels. And if you aren't getting enough of that legendary content, make sure and head on over to TennesseeLegend.com where you can find links to all of our different locations as well as all of our different social media sites and our online swag shop. And until next time, stay legendary.